Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. A formidable beast, the grizzly. As strong as an ox, fast as a horse, quick as a cat. No animal but man can challenge him. It's a new day. Yes, it is. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Wild and Crazy Guys. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hogan for the win. Put in we're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. Most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hope. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Flues? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in Hogue and Johns with you again as free agency rolls on, pro days roll on, owners meetings coming up next week. Stay busy in March. What's up, Johnsy? Is free agency still rolling out for the Bears? There's been a whole lot of nothing. Yeah. Yeah, they're at pro days. Yeah. I think they got what they needed and now they're... Hey, we're... Guess what? We're the Chicago Bears. We still have the most cap space, and we're cool with that. Who talks like that? I don't know. Brick by brick. I know who says that. I know, but the Bears are putting that on social media now. It's true. It's true. It's, One it's brick like, at a time. It's almost like they're, they're trolling your guy, Greg. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> He's going to love it, though. Yeah. Um. So... I don't where, where should we start in this one? Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Adam Hogue at Adam Johns. Uh, there are no new signings to discuss, but we got sightings of uh, Ryan Poles in Columbus, Ohio and Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah, speaking of bricks, they just saw a brick wall. How about that? I'm Ooh. good at this. Ooh. Very good at this. And Paris Johnson Jr. Yep. At Ohio State. Did you see that picture um, when he's going through his past sets and Ryan Poles is like right behind him? Yeah, just one guy away from him. Yeah, and I will say that in a battle between Paris Johnson and Peter Skaronsky, like Paris Johnson's probably built more in the mold of the things that we've heard Poles and Flus say publicly about length. Um, but is that the only difference, the arm length between the two? Because both of them are top 10 picks, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so. And and honestly, Skaronsky's tape might be even more uh, consistent, quite frankly. I had the uh, Ohio State Northwestern tape on yesterday because I was actually watching um, Atabore. But as you're watching, as you're watching Atabore, you can't help but notice that there's two tackles on the other team that are going to get drafted probably in the top 50. And then there's that quarterback. Actually, that quarterback kind of struggled in that game. There's some bad throws in that game. 
Yeah. I don't know what it is that Northwestern does against Ohio State, but they Ohio State never plays like they win the game, but they other than that one Justin Fields game from uh what was that 2019? Um where I think they won 400 to nothing. Other than that, Northwestern usually plays them pretty tough. They do. I'm trying to find uh Paris Johnson's uh here it is. This is from Pro Football Focus. 2022. 827 snaps at left tackle. You allowed two sacks, zero hits. I, that's semantics in a way. Um, 12 hurries. So two sacks over 827 offensive snaps. 449 of those were pass block snaps. Pretty good. That's, that's a good percentage. So, um, on Peter Skronsky real quick. Yeah, yeah, let's hear it. Since, since we're comparing the two. 871 offensive snaps at left tackle as well. He allowed one sack, two hits, three hurries, so significantly less hurries, and that's over 474 pass block snaps, 882 overall. Yeah. Two good players. That sounds about right because it's just like you watch Skaronsky and it's just it's almost boring because <laughs> it's just like it's just every play is the same. It's just like oh that guy's not going anywhere. Isn't that what you want yeah. offensive tackle play to be? Yes. You don't you don't want to mention the guy at all. Yeah. It, I will say the one thing that really stands out about watching him and I, I should know the left guard's name off the top of my head and I don't, but I want to give him some credit too because like the way the way that they handle um stunts and games it's like so seamless and Skaronsky I think it's most of the credit for he just like he'll go from oh that guy's going inside this guy's coming out like boom like it's nothing like it's the same guy who's blocking the whole time it's very impressive actually so I know people are all focused on the arm length and all that but and maybe that I, I've been very consistent on this I know my, that video on social media got out of hand the other day and probably because the way it was framed um, but like he may end up at guard I'm not arguing that i just think it's it's ridiculous to totally dismiss the idea that he might actually be able to make it a tackle and that's what that whole thing was in was referencing no one has wavered on their evaluation of him being the best line prospect at least this is from the the draft analysts which we know they use input from nfl teams yeah dane brugler daniel jeremiah no one has wavered has moved him off being their top offensive line prospect since the combine and his arm length was a half an inch too short. Yeah. It's not like that changed anything. Um, you know what? I'll buy, I'll back you up on your viral rant. There, there's nothing uh, wrong with uh, securing the inside. I'd actually think it helped Justin feels a little bit more if he could step up in the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, mean, I, I think the, in, the interior is better. What affects the quarterback quicker? Inside pressure or outside pressure? Inside pressure. Yes. I, I've always been consistent on this. I, I like building the line inside and out. Like the Saints out. used to have that philosophy, and Ryan yeah. Pace brought that here. We heard a lot about that. Yeah, they just yeah, and I it just was frustrating that they never really could get the center position. And I still think that that's something that they couldn't do better. Like I'd love to see them draft a center early in the second round. That's just like going to be here for the next decade. Like that would be, that would be ideal. John Michael Schmitz. Yeah. Joe Tipman. Wisconsin's pro days today. Steve Avila. 
guessing not as many NFL personnel are going to be in Madison today's Tuscaloosa. Seen Chris Morgan up there. Yeah, maybe. this is where you get everybody on board, though. There's so many pro days. Yeah, like everybody, your pro scouts are involved, your scouting coordinators are involved. Everybody's out on the road. Right. Yeah, it's it's actually they're actually kind of fun to be at. But um, all right. We are we are going to switch to some free agency talk and kind of review what the Bears have done. Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus. He's one of the best, if not the best, salary cap analysts out there right now. Um, and we're just going to... I want to talk to him about just sort of the... He goes into the weeds a little bit more on how these contracts are structured and how they fit in for the future. And I think there's been a lot of talk and debate about positional value and how Ryan Poles has gone about this. And I think that there's a lot that Brad can, can add to the conversation. So uh, let's go ahead and bring Brad Spielberg into Hogan Johns. All right, make sure you're following Brad on Twitter. You already should be, but if you're not, it's at PFF underscore Brad. He's been on the show before. It's been a busy couple of weeks for you. Thanks for jumping on with us. Yeah. So you and Indy, uh, all, both you guys were, were recovered hopefully, but uh, definitely been busy. What do you think of uh, the Bears moves? And I want to start with linebacker, Brad, because not all teams, I guess, value linebacker like the Bears do, especially spending that type of money. So just from your vantage point as well, Bears fan, you know, historically wise, and then your, your analyst cap, like, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I do think it was interesting, you know, to to hear that part of the situation with Roquan Smith may have been tied to positional valuation and then to turn around and, and sign Trimmy Edmonds to a very strong uh, four year, $72 million deal with $50 million effectively fully guaranteed at signing. Uh, I think, look, whenever you hire a, uh, you know, linebacker like Matt Eberflus uh, and then linebacker coach to be your head coach, he's going to value that position. And I think it does show that as much as the GM may have certain thresholds or certain things he values, the coach also has a lot of say. So in a vacuum, I like both moves. I mean, TJ Edwards was my worst projection of the offseason. I thought he was going to get way more money. I'll tell you, a lot of people did. Um, you know, I heard from a few agents, like, that kind of slowed down the market after he signed because they all thought he was going to get more. Um, and then Edmonds, obviously a huge deal. You know, what was the second biggest signing of the offseason behind a Javon Hargrave? Don't mind it at all. I think, look, he's... A guy that I thought they, I wanted them to draft back in the day when they did draft Roquan Smith. Going to be 25 years old for the entire season next year in his sixth NFL season. I think they view him as a better fit in this defense. I can tell you for a fact there was a bidding war going on for his services. Not that you always want to win those bidding wars. Um, my only you know, reservation is... I don't care if you have Brian Urlacher, Lance Briggs, and Mike Singletary at linebacker. If the defensive line is this poor, it doesn't really matter. And so that does give me some pause. Yeah, it, it's just fascinating to, to see it, that. Like, I think they're in on some of these premium positions, but they're, they seem to be being disciplined about it. Like, okay, Javon Hargrave, you're going to go... You're going to go get that deal. Mike McGlinchey, you're going to go get the, the, that team's going to pay. No, we're going to stick to our board. This is where we had you valued, but it's sort of left them with some big holes, like you mentioned, on the line of scrimmage. And yet they do spend that money on Tremaine Edmonds. I, I guess they just valued him more because I do think they are being disciplined and sticking to 
and it's sort of become this best player available mentality, even in free agency that we usually talk more about in the draft. Just what's your reaction to how that all played out? So I do think that is a huge part of it. I think they really are sticking to their value. I know that might be frustrating, but you know, I think the prior regime was more the approach of we love this guy, so we'll spend whatever it takes. And I think that did not really work out in many instances. So the interesting thing here was specifically with interior defensive linemen, we just saw the beginning of a market explosion that is going to continue. But the reason why these guys like a Draymond Jones, like a Zach Allen got these huge contracts is because and Deron Payne was the first indicator, I think Dexter Lawrence and Jeffrey Simmons and Quinn Williams are going to sign for like $25 million a year, right? So this market currently was reflecting what it's going to be. And I think the Bears just thought, hey, this is buying high. It's us spending at the absolute peak of the market. It would be like, you know, doing something for a receiver last year when you had 10 guys signed for over $20 million a year. So, like I said, I mean, I have the concerns as well. I'm not saying it's like something you can't address, but I do think that was part of it. I know they probably did talk to a guy like a Draymond Jones. I personally don't know if he's a great fit. I know everyone said he could play three tech. I view him as a three, four defensive end personally. So maybe that was part of it as well. But yeah, long answer short, I think that was a big part of it, sticking to the value. I know it requires patience. I know it's a little bit scary. Um, but I think in the long run, that is the smart way to approach free agency. I think uh, at least polls has been a little, I don't know if revealing is is the right word, but he's like in describing or detailing how he went through his free agency. Like he saw Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards as two of the best at that position. Like, hey, we're going to go put our resources in that. I don't think he viewed, as much as the Bears were in on McGlinchey, like, he's not the best right tackle. Like, are we really going to give him, like, best right tackle money? Like, we may like Draymond Jones. Are we really going to give him, like, high-end money there? So I think you saw him, I think you saw the Bears place value in actually where those players actually rank amongst those positions as opposed to, like, these are needs. We have to address them right away. Like, they, they saw more value in that. So I'm curious for your thoughts on that strategy. I, I agree with you. I think that is how they approached it. And I do think McGlinchey's contract from Denver is is a ridiculous contract. I, I'm happy they didn't win that bidding war, like I said. I, I mean, yes, he's a perfect fit in the team. Yes, we're trying to get as many Golden Domers on the Bears roster as humanly possible, apparently. But, I mean, he's just not worth top five right tackle money. He simply is not. Um, and not only that, it's also a strong structure, you know, strong guarantees. I have an inkling the Bears probably were, were comfortable with the with the total value, but that guarantee, you know, a very very strong deal. Um, even even Ben Powers, who I think is less of a fit, but a very good player, a good guard. You know, thirteen million per year for him. You know, I, I I'm fine with Nate Davis instead. A really really good scheme fit, a good young player that I think makes a ton of sense. Um, but yeah, I do think you're right. I think it's also like, and I think we saw that across the league, not just the Bears, where. More in the second wave, obviously, the guys we're talking about did get paid. But the second wave where we usually usually see guys do pretty well and average players get above average contracts, that didn't happen, right? Those guys were getting kind of a lot of one-year flyers or or cheaper two-, three-year deals. I think teams are, are not you know chasing th those deals anymore, which is probably sharp. But again, I, I get that it, it can be a little bit frustrating. And, and to your point on TJ Edwards quickly, like in terms of what he got, I think he gave the Bears a hometown discount. I, I, I really do. I think the being able to, the appeal of being able to play for the team he rooted for as a kid was almost like too much. And like once the deal was there, he was just in. It's it. Like I'm, I'm going back home. This is a dream come true. I mean, he signed like what the first hour of free agency, right? First so you guy, really right? To, he was the first guy. 
<laughs> right. Like you have to think that. Yeah. Like, and again, I, I'm sure I was off and he wasn't getting offers in the, you know, above 10 million, like I thought he would get, but I'm sure some team out there had like close to an Okariki eight, nine, 10 million. And like you said, yeah, just, I want to go back to Chicago. I'm an undrafted guy. This is still life changing money. Uh, I, I think you're right. Yeah. That doesn't always happen. In fact, it usually doesn't, but there are, there are the outlier cases where that, that really is a thing. Um, all right. We get questions about this all the time. I think I usually understand it. Sometimes then I get confused. So this is where you come in. This is why you're on the show right now. But this comes up almost daily. The idea of this cap floor. Sometimes I hear cash floor. Explain it to us, um, you know, like it's kindergarten class so everybody can understand it and what the Bears still have to do here despite all the money that they have already spent. Yeah, I feel like I opened Pandora's box with a tweet about this a couple <laughs> like a couple months ago, and I, I almost regret doing it. But no, all, all jokes aside, so really, there is a rule in the CBA where you have to spend from 2021 to 2023. What you do is you take the salary caps in those three years, you add them up, which is about 555 million in total, um, and then you take 90 percent of that amount, and every team in the NFL in cash. So I know we just use the salary cap to get the number, but every team has to spend a cash equivalent of that number, at least over those three years. So the bears in 2021 under a salary cap of 182 and a half million spent about 170. They were below it last year with a salary cap of 208.2 million. The bears spent $148 million in cash. So again, not salary cap, not how much, you know, how big their cap hits were just the actual cash outlay on the team. So going into this year, they needed to spend about $240 million in cash, which, you know, the cap is 225 So more than the salary cap. That might sound like, oh, how do you do that? It's kind of crazy. The Rams spent $290 million last year. They spent almost $100 million more than the salary cap in that season. And so the way you do that is, of course, with signing bonuses, you can spread it out, spread it over five years on the salary cap, but all of that cash would hit in the first year. So the Bears need to spend a good amount. They obviously have gotten started in that regard, but they, by my estimation, still need to spend, after the draft class, another $45 million or so in 2023 cash spending. Again, not just hitting the cap, but but really the, the cold, hard dollars they need to spend. So how do, you, how do you do that? Do you wait for teams to release players that you potentially see as fits and, and you like, or do you look at your own roster? You see Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, Jalen Johnson. Do you extend... Some of your own. So both, I think it's going to be both in this situation. I do think of those three guys, if the over-under was at one and a half, I think it would be a tough thing to bet. One of them is going to get extended. If I had to put money on I think Cole Komet is most likely to get extended. And then I think Mooney is more likely than Jalen Johnson. But I mean, post-DJ Moore trade, it is a little bit interesting there. Uh, and obviously Claypool in the fold as well. So that will be one avenue, no question. I do then also think the cap casualty market is something they're going to explore um, you know, the name I always throw out there just because I've seen um, a lot of people mention as a, as a possibility. If the Jets do cut Carl Lawson, the edge defender, that would be my favorite move the Bears could make by a country mile for his Achilles in 2021. So his numbers aren't phenomenal last year. But honestly, if you have the context of this guy was playing on a recently reconstructed Achilles, I thought he looked pretty good last year. He's a perfect fit. He's a big 4-3 defensive end. I think that would be a dream scenario. So a guy like that, a center, and Chase Roulier in Washington, uh, also been injured the last couple of years, but you know I think he's a good fit in the system, a good player. So yeah, I think it's going to be both of those things. And then you know during the season, you know IR moves or maybe another trade at the deadline or something like that, or you could 
let's say you finish the season, you love what you saw from a Jalen Johnson, and just like Eddie Jackson a couple years ago, you know, in February, before the, the league year turns over, you sign an extension early. That would also count in that 2023 cash spending. Okay, so that, that's an important said, designation. Yeah, yeah was, so it's just got to be done deadline. by the end of this league year that just started. So by mid-March of next year. So you could theoretically extend somebody on March 1st of 2024 and give that guy a huge signing bonus that covers the 45. Not that you would do that, but like that, that covers that amount right there and you'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, so that that is the thing. Is there's no need to panic. I, I just think it's interesting to monitor because we haven't really seen a team come this close. The Colts did post Andrew Luck retirement. It kind of threw them for a loop. I think it's kind of why Jacoby Brissett got a really strong deal from them. I think part of it was they needed to spend some cash. Um, but yeah, the Bears are gonna hit it. I'm not trying to put it out there to say like, oh, like we should panic. Also, just because everyone asks, what happens if you don't is you just spread the difference across your roster. So hey, maybe, maybe the players are rooting for them not to hit it, but th- th- they're gonna hit it. Have you done any projections for what a Cole Komet extension could look like? Yep. So I before free agency, I had it right in that kind of Dawson Knox, David and Joku wheelhouse. You know, uh, Dawson Knox was four years, fifty-two million, so thirteen a year, and Joku I think was about thirteen and a half a year. I thought it would fall right between those numbers. You know, oftentimes we don't see free agency impact early extensions as much as you would think. But I do think it's notable that, I mean, Mike Kosicki gets a four and a half year, four and a half million on a one year. Dalton Schultz, 6.75. Like, it might impact it to a degree. But I'll, I'll stick with that number. So right around the Dawson Knox, 13 million per year uh, for Cole Komet, I think makes a lot of sense. You, you earlier said you weren't sure if Jalen Johnson would get that extension. What makes you think that? Yeah, I just think that, you know, the injuries and just not being able to finish out the year, I think he's a great player. I think they probably like him in the in the building. Um, I know he had some, like, kerfuffle with uh, a fine or whatever it was, I think. That, uh, or, or maybe that was that was before Iberflus, but nevertheless. Um, but I think it's more just like they haven't really seen enough of him because of the injuries and not being able to be a consistent week-to-week player. I think he's more of a candidate of, Let's say you're in week 10, he's been balling out, playing really good football, and then you say, all right, let's get let's get conversations going now. He, to me, falls more in that bucket. My favorite thing about following Brad, and if you're not, that's at PFF underscore Brad, is you're not just all salary cap. There's some Bears Chicago stuff there. If you're watching on YouTube, he's actually wearing a Bulls shirt. I don't know <laughs> why. It's been a weird year again for the Bulls. <laughs> but you're also into draft capital. So this trade involving the number one pick. What's your analysis of it? The Bears come away with two ones, two twos, and DJ Moore, who has what, around a 20 million annual per year average? Like, what's your take on that move, jumping one to nine and getting all that in return? I think it's great. I think there was a lot of conversation of try to stay as high as possible and maybe trade to four with Indy or maybe even trade to two. And I know Poles himself said that was a potential possibility. The further you're willing to trade, the more capital you're going to get. You're going to get the future firsts or multiple future seconds or, of course, as we saw, you know, DJ Moore. And so I think that was the key to me. Like you said, you bring him in on a three-year deal for about $17.5 million per year is what you inherit. Um, he's a 26 year old, you know, I know there's all his arguments now. He's a number one receiver. He's, he's a top 25 receiver in the NFL on a solid contract that is young. Um, and I think that for me was the key, you know, people say, oh, I want to get a 2025 first as well. It's not a good free agent class at wide receiver. It's not a good draft class at wide receiver. I think this was the perfect way to approach it. 
But then I also do love getting the extra first next year from Indianapolis. And that could be a top 10 pick again, right? I mean, we don't know what they're going to do at quarterback at this point. Or sorry, from Carolina. So, sorry. Um, we know they're going to take quarterback, but, you know, I don't think it's a very good roster. All respect to Adam Thielen. If he's your number one wide receiver, that is not a great sign about your wide receiver room. Um, so I, I thought it was an, a, a great, great trade uh, and, and a big win across the board. Yeah, and I think, you know, as much as – I, I know you put the value on everything and, and you can kind of follow that. I, how do you factor in? And, and I think it's probably every individual case, but you have to factor in things like timing and what the market is in a certain position. And I think like there's two things here that in my mind, put it over the edge for polls. One is the, and we talked about this in Indy when we talked to you, the, the timing of being able to get DJ more and get this trade done before free agency had some value. Like, I don't know how you put a number value on it, but like it has some value. And then looking at this wide receiver market and understanding that if you put all the option, possible options out there, at wide receiver to help Justin Fields now, DJ Moore might've been the number one option that you possibly could have received, you know, whether it's through free agency, the draft or a trade. And I just think that that had to be, like the two things Ryan Poles kept coming back to, which was like, we don't, we could wait for this two to nine scenario and get two trades and maybe add an extra first. But like to get this done now, to me, has some value that you have to be able to place on it somehow. Yeah, I completely agree. And there's a second element to it too. So, first off, like, yeah, I mean, DJ Moore is a guy that can help fields attack the intermediate levels of the field. You know, he can go deep. He can, you know, get some yards after the catch. But for me, like the next step for fields is we know he can throw the deep ball. We know he also can take off and run and scramble or check it down, all those things. But attacking the intermediate level of the field, I put out a stat the minute it happened, but DJ Moore is the second most catches between 10 and 20 yards in the NFL since he joined the NFL. And that's playing with quarterbacks that have not been in the same stratosphere as Justin Fields pretty much the entire time. So that's a huge component. The second thing is, yeah, you can't get greedy and wait too long, especially this year. I think it's legitimate when Carolina is saying we're not dead set on a particular player. We like the top part, you know, the top group of guys, and we'll figure that out during the process. I know, you know, Josh McCown out here saying he's going to play a uh, horse with uh, CJ Stroud in Carolina. But for me, Arizona at three was a legitimate threat where I think Las Vegas, who did call Chicago, and Carolina at nine, maybe even like a Tennessee at 11, you know, Atlanta at eight, if they're still in the mix, like all of those teams could have called Arizona instead. And if that happens and you have, okay, Bears at one and then Houston and then you know whatever team it is at three that's taking a quarterback, Chicago may have been out of it entirely. It's basically, all right, Indianapolis, maybe we convince them to trade, but they might just say, hey, we know you're not going to take a quarterback, so we're just going to sit here now. You guys can take, you know, Will Anderson, whatever, and then it'll go one, you know, two, three, four quarterback. I think you had to not let that play out. I, I think the timing was, 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 was great by him as well. You got, you got to get it done. Fun fact. Josh McCown is an outstanding basketball player. Oh, he's a baller. Like, Google it, put it on YouTube. There, there's videos out there of him with some crazy dunks. So, um, sorry, CJ Stroud. I know Josh McCown may seem to like he was number one pick, but he's going to beat you. It's kind of funny because, like, thinking about Josh McCown as a quarterback, like, I know he could move a little, but you don't, like, picture him as, like, like uh like a Justin Fields freak athlete or something like yeah. that. But when some you of the dunks are ridiculous. Yeah, I know you watch those YouTube videos of him playing basketball, you're like, holy shit, this guy, <laughs> this guy can jump like, out of the gym. Wow. Yes. Um, did you see the videos of him too? Like they're I think the uh the Panthers, I must have Colts again. The the Panthers 
they're uh, pretty enamored with CJ Stroud. Like a lot of hugging and back slapping and, you know, lingering to get extra time with them. Like, I don't know. That, that stood out to me. Um, Anyway, back to, well, well, rookie quarterbacks, rookie contracts. Where do you stand on like the, the roster building strategy with a quarterback, a young, good one on his rookie deal? Do you think it's overblown or you, do you think you, you can't hype it up uh, enough? I honestly don't know if you can hype it up enough. I mean, it's gone so far as I can tell you during the, the, the last CBA negotiation, obviously didn't go anywhere, but they had conversations of like, can we treat quarterback contracts differently on the salary cap or find a different way to do this? Because, you know, of course, boo who was a bears fan of these teams that were complaining like, Oh, it's so hard to win and build out a roster when you're spending, you know, a ton of money at quarterback, obviously, you know, no one from Chicago feels bad for those teams, but like those conversations were had that. So that's how much the league views it as a massive advantage. I think if you go back the last decade, I think it's 2016 is like the only year where at least one of the quarterbacks wasn't a rookie contract quarterback in the Super Bowl. I think that's the stat. It's one other year, but like it's it's very prevalent because you can just do so much more uh, in spending at the rest of the roster. That even like a Jared Goff, for example, a guy who gets made fun of, but he was good enough on his rookie deal to make the Super Bowl with the Rams because of how good they were elsewhere. Obviously, once you pay them, things get more complicated, but it just lowers the level required of solid play. And the second part is just. You, you see like a Daniel Jones, like there's it's so hard to get a mid-tier quarterback deal done. As soon as you have to pay him, you're paying him near that top of the market and all that surplus value is immediately gone. It's it's a very real thing. So I couldn't help but notice like even with Tremaine Edmonds deal, they can get out of it in two years with, with not much of a problem, uh, which is the time that they have to pay fields. So my question to you is even after what they've, added here in free agency and trading for DJ Moore, how healthy are the Bears, you know, in the longer term future in terms of still evaluating fields? And I mean, their hope is they have to pay the guy eventually because he's worth it. But, you know, still keeping their roster healthy that they don't put themselves in a, in a position where now they've spent too much money elsewhere. I was hoping they would do this coming into free agency, and they did it, and that is, to a degree, front-loading these contracts. So for Tremaine Edmonds, you know, doesn't get the huge signing bonus, instead gets nearly a $10 million roster bonus in the first year and a pretty sizable one in the second year as well. His cap hit in year two is bigger than his year three and year four cap hit. Like, that's not something you see very often, you know, in the prior regime that was obviously not even close to what you were seeing. Uh, and it was the same with Demarcus Walker and TJ Edwards, where their second year of their deal has a larger cap hit than the third year. Year. So I love that you did not prorate a ton of money, aka push a bunch of cap into the future, because yeah, you want to be flexible and be able to, like you said, the greatest problem to have ever, if you have to pay fields a big contract and you, and you go that route, they can make moves, they can get out of things, they won't be hamstrung and, and kind of weighed down by the, the sunk, sunk costs across the roster. I, I love the structure of what they did as much as the actual moves they made. Brad, what was your favorite move by the Bears? And then what was your favorite one? I guess overall in the NFL and free agency. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with Nate, Nate Davis. And I know it's interesting because you know add a right guard and arguably I Tevin agree Jenkins. With you, by the way, yeah, I agree. Sorry, sorry, I interrupted. No, you. no, you're agree. good. You're good. Yeah, and arguably Tevin Jenkins was your best offensive lineman last year. But a, I think he can be moved around. Maybe you go back to left guard. I'm sure he practiced at all five positions or you know four positions, not center last year. Uh, and B, like you know maybe they don't be trust, not believe, don't trust that he can be there for all, all 18 games, whatever. So I really think Nate Davis was a perfect fit. Um, in this offense, a guy who's getting better and a guy that I know, again, had a ton of buzz. Like I, I 
I do the free agency stuff. Some names kind of fly under the radar a little bit. And then I hear some things from league people and go watch the, the film to kind of get more acquainted with them. He was a name people kept telling me, like, You're, you got to go watch this guy. You're too low on him. So big fan of that move. Um, my favorite one across the NFL. I mean, I think Cleveland probably had my favorite free agency of any team. Uh, and two in particular. I mean, Dalvin Tomlinson, you know, Minnesota Viking the last couple of years, former New York Giant. The, the Browns are the worst run defense in the NFL and had the lowest run defense grade among interior defenders, which might come as a shock. The Bears were just ahead of them in, in 31st last year. Um, and, and so they make the biggest possible addition there in a very good player that can play one technique, play three tech. Um, and then Ogmini Akaronquo, also the Browns, edge defender from the Houston Texans. They lose Javion Clowney. From week seven to through the end of the season last year, he was top 10 for us in pass rush win rate and pressure percentage. was really, really, really good. Um, so I think Cleveland addressed their biggest weakness in the defensive line um, without, without breaking the bank. You just said that like it was the easiest name ever in the world to say. That was so impressive. When you, you marry into a Congolese family, you got to you gotta be on your P's and Q's, you know? That, that's, that was great. Uh, <laughs> all right. My last question to you then is, you know, what – how did the Bears fill their holes here? I mean, is it just it, it, can they trust that they're with their ten draft picks and maybe they'll add more that they can they can find their three technique they can find that dynamic uh, outside rusher they still need. I mean, who's still out there in free agency? How would you attack this? Yeah, so you know we mentioned the cap casualties. I think for like three tech, probably a pipe dream, but maybe Leonard Williams in New York, like something happens there because like I said, they're going to give Dexter Lawrence a gigantic contract. He's going into the last year of his deal, has an eighteen million dollars salary, none of it's guaranteed, so maybe something shakes there. Obviously, I mentioned Carl Austin's probably my favorite. Um, so I do think that's going to be big. Like you have to monitor that that cap casualty market every year. We see guys, like Kevin Zeitler in Baltimore gets cut. By the Giants also, and lands in Baltimore is phenomenal. James Bradbury last year, of course, you know, also cut by the Giants. I guess it's just the Giants cap casualties is the market to be in. So I think that's a big one. Um, but yeah, I do. I think having four top 65 picks now, um, and I want to say like six total in the top 150, you got to find like three starting caliber players. there. Maybe not starting right away, but guys that can eventually become starters. Uh, at number nine, obviously, you want to find a guy you can plug and play right away. So I think they, you know, they'll do enough there. But, you know, maybe next year, if you see the growth from fields, you have all that extra ammo as well, and you're still very healthy, maybe then we see like a really kind of aggressive spending spree there. Brad, awesome information. Appreciate it as always uh, and the way you spell everything out so everybody can understand it. Thanks so much. Again, everyone should be following him on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, Brad. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan Johns polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Rowan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Rowan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash Adam and use promo code Adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash Adam and use code Adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Johns, I just love the way that he explains things sometimes. Like that that cap cash floor thing that gets put out there on Twitter. It's complicated. It's like advanced level stuff that most of the time, even in the media, like doesn't get covered that why every team has one of these like really smart cap guru guys on their staff, because that's the kind of stuff that they have to be aware of at all times. And it does play into decisions. So you, that's why Brad's been talking about it and why it's still a thing that needs to be tracked. I honestly didn't know about like the timing of how that can still go all the way to next March though. Like that, that to me is like a key detail that matters. And some teams have more than one cap guy. To keep things organized, I make yeah. this comparison, and or I have made this comparison a few times. The NFL salary cap, the CBA, is to me, it's, it's always felt felt needlessly complicated. Like as opposed to covering hockey, where everything is very spelled out. Right, this yeah. is your cap. This is your cap floor. You got to have certain. You know, it, it's just easier to understand. At least um, it's not the NBA, though, with all these like. Mid-level exceptions and yeah. luxury tax and bird rights and all that stuff. I have no idea what it means. I don't want to know. <laughs> Again, that's why teams employ 
more than one person to handle such matters. And, you know, it is needlessly complicated, at least in my opinion, but you have to get through it. It's the way it is. And the Bears have two right now because Cliff Stein's been there, been there for a long time, but they hired Matt Feinstein last year. And as you heard Paul say in his press conference last week, that they kind of gave him a little bit more of a, a lead role this year, it sounds like, with some of these deals. But Cliff's obviously still been in, involved and been mentoring him for a while. So Yeah, and Matt came over from the, the NFL Management Council, so he's got experience in all this. And Cliff Stein is recognized as one of the best negotiators you know, and has been for, for years. And yeah. He's been a strength for, for the Bears. But that's part of the point is agents are well aware of cash floors and, and what's – What's available? It's not just cap space, but they know what teams, what situations teams are in. They know where to push the buttons. I'm just, I think we covered a lot of it there with Brad, but my biggest takeaway is I, I just have been very impressed with the process, like finding a way to add DJ Moore when it, there didn't really seem to be an answer, and then going into free agency. And yes, there's talk about, oh, did I spend too much on Tremaine Edmonds, and you know this and that but it's like if you really look at it they haven't they're they're not hamstrung against the cap at all long term when they have to pay their quarterback which hopefully they'll have that problem that's a good problem to have where you don't want to be is where you're in Daniel Jones land where it's like a debate and then you do it and now it's no guarantee that it's going to pay off you want it to be set that like oh this is definitely the guy we have to give him like Mahomes getting was that twelve year contract or whatever he got like that's that's where you want to be. You don't want to be giving a quarterback who's not in the top ten of his of anything. Yeah, that type of money. Again, go look up Mitch Trubisky stats and put him next to Daniel Jones. And Mitch, you don't do that if you're listening right now. You yeah, you Mitch. don't do that. But I don't think I I, I do think I no, think the best care. way. There, there you are, Mitch. I think the best way to understand the Bears' process is, is talking out the Mike McGlinchey situation. Made yep. sense in so many ways. Have a hole at right tackle. There's some scheme fit because of the 49ers system and Kyle Shanahan and what Luke Getzey wants to run. He's not that old, right? But then the contract he got. He's not a top five player at that position, but now he's got top five money. So that's where you draw the line like he made sense in so many ways but you know what the value didn't meet everything else and I, I think that's a great way to look at the process is that there was a line that Ryan Poles and his staff didn't want to cross and I, I kind of commend that because we've seen teams try to buy their way out of trouble and now you got bad contracts on your book that books that you can't get out of yeah it's like the well, Jake Cutler deal right like Ugh. That lingered for three years for the Bears. It just seemed like it was. Huh? Speaking of Josh McCown, that's the one argument I think in the end that Mark Carmen was right over me. Because I was definitely Team Cutler, and he was he was in the mind. Most people were Team Cutler, and he was among those saying no, Josh McCown. It's it. the The interesting thing about that, not to rehash all that, was what we heard later and how many people in that building were actually team McCown over team Cutler. But, you know, he threw all those touchdowns against the Cleveland Browns, even though I think he threw two 
I'm talking about Cutler now, and that got him the yeah, big. I, the big I think deal. he had a really bad first half of that game. Yeah, he threw two interceptions. I think on the first two possessions. Yeah, but then he threw all his touchdowns, and that was the game that Phil said cemented the contract. The Cleveland Browns, but that, that is the desperation of the position. I yeah. don't think we could articulate this enough. You either have one, or you're looking for one, and the one you might have, you're going to overpay, like a Daniel Jones. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that was a fun conversation. We are uh, going to be back next week from hopefully sunny and warm Arizona. It looks tell good you, so far. They've been having an interesting uh, spring there, going back all the way to the Super Bowl. It's been cold. My dad's been there all month. He said they haven't had a single day over 80. I saw or looked at the forecast last night. I saw an 82 projection um, on Tuesday. Uh, you jinxed it. Yeah, probably. Now we're screwed. Okay. Damn it. Believe. <laughs> it should be fun, though. <laughs> you had some owners meetings, memories here you wanted to. No, no, stay. I just said, you know, just just. It's always a been eventful of, out there. Well, we've always had some good conversations. Flus came on the pod last year. Uh, we had a pretty fun sit down with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. That's where everybody yeah, that was it. learned that Matt Nagy was a jeans and flip flops guy. That's right. Yeah, that was in uh, that was in Arizona. Um, Jared Allen was signed at the owners' meetings. And I don't know what you're talking. What's this Phil Emery one that you? Oh, put? this is this. Is I don't know this favorite. one. So one year, my first owners meetings, which was actually in Scottsdale, where we're going yeah, next week to, to the Biltmore. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't nearly as big as it, as it is now, just in terms of, of coverage. Back then, there, I felt like there was only like. Well, when Matt Mark when Mark Tressman had his breakfast, there was only three reporters that sat down with him. Mm. That number is going to be quadrupled for for um, Matt Eberflus, but I, I vividly remember Phil Emery and I sitting down for uh, a coffee and, a, and like a muffin, and one NFL insider I won't name him tried to sneak into the conversation, and Phil Emery just completely blew him off, <laughs> and then bad mouthed them a little bit. Phil's probably listening to this and getting annoyed at me, but I won't tell. You, which reporter that is, but um, I, I always get a kick out of it thinking back to this. Think, thinking back of the Biltmore, my first experience at the NFL owners' meetings, and now going there in a few days. That's kind of bad etiquette by that reporter. Yes. I mean, yes, if, you, you. if you're sitting down with the GM, he's just going to button the conversation. Yeah, at least kind of lurking over there. And then Phil didn't like that much, which I respected actually, Phil, for that. Like, you know, me and, me and Adam Johns are having a conversation here. So take that and think about that for a little bit. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. That's interesting. I didn't know that story. Well, it's a fun time, and we'll be there. So um, there's always a, usually a, one or two good Hogan Johns episodes that comes out of the owners' meetings and some stories uh, along the way. So that's the plan next week. Appreciate everybody listening, watching today. Please rate and review the podcast. Send it to a Bears fan that you know. Uh, and... Check us out on YouTube if you're not already there. And if you are watching right now on YouTube, hit that like button. It helps support the pod, helps the uh, old YouTube algorithm or whatever they call it. And uh, hold on. 
Yeah? The Bears have signed another linebacker. Oh, crap. Dylan Cole. Oh, yeah, the guy. Veteran. Yeah, he's a special teamer. He visited yesterday. There you go. So he's actually he's actually a pretty good special teamer. Hashtag Bears special teams. Let's go. You would, you would know that. Yeah, I would know that. You would. So there's your special teams breakdown of, of the show. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a depth guy and just somebody that they had to special teams. But I appreciate that they put an emphasis on special teams with Richard Hightower. So, uh, go look him up. He's a he's a jacked individual. I'll say that. Add him to the. He he seeks out contact. Make some big hits on special teams. Let's go. I'm in for that. You got a full breakdown here. I'm ready to go. We are strong where we're strong right now, and we need to improve where we need to improve. All right. All right. We'll talk to you in Arizona. How's that sound? All right. Follow us See on ya. Twitter. Just say see ya. Goodbye. See ya. Point is, uh, those are some numbers.